Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst. And today is June 25th, 2020, which means I'm on day 194 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Well, it looks like the second wave has begun, and some players on the Seattle Mariners roster have tested positive for the COVID-19. But they're asymptomatic, so they've continued to practice and prepare for the reopening of the MLB season. Not reopening, the opening, I should say, of the MLB season and the 60-game schedule they are going to play. But in other sports, people like Jared Dudley are complaining about soft tissue damage because they haven't trained enough five-on-five full-court basketball to prepare for the restart of the final conclusion of the NBA season. And then at least there's some players like Patrick Beverly who took a jab at Dudley for what he said, talking about basketball is an all-year-round sport, homie. So shut your yap. I mean, if you're going to complain that you didn't have enough time to prepare your body to run up and down a court and dribble a basketball for millions of dollars, then get the hell out. Kick rocks, Dudley. You're useless anyways. You are the most obsolete player on the Lakers squad. At least Patrick Beverly, who is an in- who plays an integral role for the LA Clippers, defense, trash talk, and occasional score, At least a guy like that is always willing to step up and tell people how he feels about the situation. And Pat Bev, I couldn't agree more with you, man. NBA players, it's an all-year-round thing. You should be out playing with your friends or having your own gigantic full-court basketball games in your mansion of a house because you're getting paid millions every single year to play your favorite sport. So I don't want to hear any complaints about soft tissue damage when there's Seattle Mariners baseball players who are continuing their training while carrying the COVID-19 virus. With all these streaming services, how is it that Netflix still seems to have more fresh and new content than anybody else and better content, to be honest, for the most part? Well, here's why. Because even though there's Queeby, whatever that is, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, HBO Max, Hulu, and Amazon Prime Video, even though there's all those that exist, Netflix is a global company that continues to film quality entertainment and their own personal movies, shows, and animations all the time wherever they can, whereas some of these other businesses and companies and streaming services only do it in America in specific locations, Hollywood, New York, and, you know, the whole COVID-19 pandemic has shut them down virtually 100%, whereas with Netflix, they've continued to create, like, more than 200 of their own personal titles remotely and secretively 
which they can drop at any moment. And next month in July, they are set to drop 59 new original Netflix content, whether it is new shows or movies or animated films, whatever it is. 59 new options for people to watch, which is about two per day if you think about it, which is far more than any of these other streaming services offer. In fact, next month, Disney Plus is set to release like almost nothing new and basically just bring some old stuff from National Geographic Channel and some other old Disney classics that nobody cares about anymore because we've seen them all a hundred times. So keep your eyes open in the month of July for Netflix coming out with so much content. It's going to be overwhelming, it seems like. But for anybody who will still be out of a job, hopefully not me, but if that's the case, then I guess I'll have time to watch it all because there's nothing else for me to do. Now, I will say that a lot of the stuff that comes out on Netflix is not the best quality that I personally desire. But, you know, it's still better to have something than to have nothing. And that is the case for these other places. Some weird stuff has been going on, folks, involving the COVID and the BLM movement and all these other things kind of overlapping. In Lincoln County, Oregon, it was announced that people of color were not required to wear masks in public, but all white people were. I don't even know what to say to this, except that at least now they realize that white people like me are obviously diseased-ridden, racist scumbags. No, we're not. What is the problem here, folks? Are you kidding me? Now you only have to wear a mask in certain places if you're white? What is going on here? Why are we being punished for nothing? We haven't done anything to anybody personally whatsoever. There's been cases of police brutality, yes. There's cases of somebody somewhere being racist towards a black person. There sure is. But this, this is flat out prejudiced against white people. Every one of them. This makes no sense. Not every single white person in Lincoln County is a racist, disease-ridden scumbag. In fact, probably none of them are. But of course, to ensure that people of color don't get offended and won't be racially profiled based on their mask, they don't have to wear one and everyone else does. Well, it seems that they immediately retracted this after facing extreme backlash, which makes sense. Because, are you kidding me? If we did that to any other people, if we did that reverse, that would be like a protest, a riot, looting, the whole world would explode. But of course, doesn't matter. Do it to white folks. They can take the punishment. They've been doing it for years. I was just reading an article about the massive amount of Irish people that were put into the slave trade around the same time as African Americans. And in fact, they were treated worse 
They were sold cheaper because they were said to be a little useless compared to other folks who were bigger, stronger, faster, all these things. And I just couldn't believe what I was reading. And it just led me to realize that people aren't demanding that we give reparations to the Irish for their slavery. Nobody's demanding that. In fact, a lot of people don't even know there were Irish slaves at all. And in some cases, they were just called indentured servants, but they were slaves. Either way, all I know is this whole idea that we as white people owe everybody something for all the bad things we've done makes no sense. My family came here from Germany and Greece like in the early 1900s, long after slavery had ended. None of them had a slave, gained anything off slavery, made money off the sweat and tears of anyone else except their own family members. And that is how I got to the point I'm at now where we're all still poor. And it doesn't even matter because in the end, I owe nobody anything, not even an apology because I'm not racist. I don't do things to people that are racist. I don't mistreat people based on race, religion, any of that. I just don't do it. I wasn't brought up that way. My parents don't treat people that way. They brought us up in a very tight-knit Christian style, you know, version of morals where everyone should be treated equally no matter what. And in the eyes of God, we're all the same and all that stuff. So to think that an entire county decided that only white people should have to wear masks during a pandemic because they don't want to racially profile people of color is just ridiculous. Almost as crazy as people in the Chaz or the Chop or whatever you want to call that thing in Seattle demanding that all white people give up their cash to someone of color near them because that's what the leader of the group announced one day and that's what everyone had to do is just give up their money. I don't understand what's going on, but I don't think people are going to be satisfied until they wipe out all the whiteies. Yep, let's just get rid of them. Just just send all the whiteies away. We're all the devils. That's what we are. You know, we're terrible people. Clearly, I am the problem here, folks, because I'm always out causing all this ruckus and all these things. No, all right? I sit in my home. I take care of my family. I feed them. I go to sleep. I do it over the next day. So I don't understand what the deal is. Get off our backs. Leave us be. We haven't done anything wrong. We don't owe you anything. Certain brands of hand sanitizer coming from a Mexico manufacturer is actually very dangerous and hazardous to your health. Now, the company is called Esk Biochem. Yes, that's E-S-K-B-I-O-C-H-E-M. So if you have any of their products, hand sanitizer-wise, don't use them because they have methanol in them, which is only to be used for wood products. Wood methanol can be absorbed through the skin and is highly toxic and dangerous. So of course, why not just throw it into some hand sanitizer and sell it to the masses? Come on, people. This is ridiculous. 
I got to say, keep your eyes peeled for this stuff because you do not want this on your skin, especially your kids. It is not good. I'll name off a couple of their brands for you real quick just so you can be sure to avoid these hand sanitizers. All Clean Hand Sanitizer is one of them. Esk Biochem Hand Sanitizer, which also has the name of the brand in the in the actual name of the hand sanitizer, so that should be a good indication that you should stay away from it. Also, Lavar 70 Gel Hand Sanitizer and the Good Gel Hand Sanitizer, to name a few more, but there's nine of them. There's nine of these things, and they all sound similar. They're all sold by the same company, and they all have wood methanol in them, which I will say, once again, is extremely hazardous, so don't rub it all over your hands and skin and not expect to feel like garbage and have, like, serious problems later on. So stay away from these hand sanitizers from Esk Biochemical, manufactured and sold out of Mexico, where there just seems to be a little bit less regulation on what products you're allowed to put in things and sell to the public. Of course. And of course, the recent protests that have led to the changing of the names of so many products, including Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's, and taking away things like the Native American on Lando Lake's butter, and taking away episodes like the three in the show Scrubs that have blackface, or the one in Always Sunny in Philadelphia that shows why you should never do blackface, so I'm not sure why they took that episode out. But this has led to even more things being changed because everyone believes them to be racist, and one of those things that's crazy is Splash Mountain, the ride at Disneyland. Now, most people don't even know that the characters in the ride Splash Mountain come from a movie called Songs of the South, created by Disney in 1946 or something a long time ago. So it's a really old movie. Most people have never seen it, but anyone who knows about its existence does know that it's racially questionable for some of the reasons that, you know, are a little bit old school in the way they depict the South and, you know, certain characters in the movie. So because of this, a petition reached enough signatures recently that people are now demanding the ride's theme be changed from the movie Songs of the South to the movie the Princess and the Frog. Now, I think that's cool with me. I don't really care. I don't know anything about the Songs of the South. I don't think I've seen that movie. I'm never going to see it. I don't really watch extremely old Disney movies like that. They don't appeal to me. I just feel like no matter what, it's also going to be looked at as controversial because it's a poor black girl who wants to be a princess and the only way she can do it is by kissing a frog and having a woman in the middle of the bayou who does voodoo magic help her along the way. And the f she's basically friends to a rich white girl who already has money. And she's been held back because 
She's poor and comes from a poor family and wants to open a restaurant with her father's gumbo pot and all these things that just seem to me like they're going to cause a whole lot of more complaints. You know, people are going to say, well, that's racist too. How dare you put this here and we're going to make you change it in another 10 or 20 years. I mean, why not just put something as the theme of the ride that can't be looked at as racist at all? Like, I don't know, Fantasia or, you know, just something meaningless. The Lost City of Atlantis or whatever. I don't know, something that has to do with water as well, but can't be looked at in a racial light whatsoever. But I guess Princess and the Frog, I mean, to me, a good movie. I've seen it. I liked it. It was entertaining. My kids enjoy it. I'm on board with the Splash Mountain ride becoming the Princess and the Frog Mountain ride. I don't know what they're going to call it. It's probably, it might even get the name changed. It might just, it might just remain Splash Mountain, but have the theme of Princess and the Frog. Either way, I'm on board with it. I don't know if it's going to stop people from questioning, you know, the ride's character and whether or not it's racially profiling in some certain way, but I I expect it should satisfy the people who do not like the Songs of the South theme because of its negative background. Folks, it is time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we've all been surely waiting for, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst. And Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N, a company on the verge of bankruptcy. I'm kidding. But today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about a just miracle of coincidence that to this day boggles my freaking mind. So as you, some of you may know, and anyone who has listened to my podcast by now should know, I once was friends with a man by the name of Fat Ryan. Now, Fat Ryan and me, we grew up together. He was always fat. It was fun to hang out with him. He was a goofy guy. We had a lot of good times, had a lot of good laughs, but now he's on drugs, and he's not Fat Ryan anymore. He's Skinny Ryan, and I've never seen him again. Now, it's been probably maybe 10 or 11 years since I saw Fat Ryan. And I'm sad about this, but I'm pretty sure he does not give a crap. But one of the strange and unusual things, one of the many, many strange and unusual things that occurred between Fat Ryan and I was, he was living at one time in a in an apartment complex called Quatama, which happens to be a place where we had been robbed at gunpoint. Me, Fat Ryan, Mike Moore, Nathan Krupp, and Chris Connors, all together, all robbed at gunpoint in Quatama. Never going to forget that. But only a few years later, Fat Ryan decided, I'm going to move into Quatama and get an apartment there. Now, I don't know why you would move somewhere where you've been robbed at gunpoint. I mean, this guy, he cried while we were getting robbed. He cried. So he was definitely afraid. Now, the other guys, we didn't cry, but this dude did. But either way, he chooses to get an apartment in the same complex where we were robbed at gunpoint. And his apartment, it's not really, it's pretty much on the other side of the complex from where we got robbed. But not that that matters. I'm sure it doesn't matter which specific apartment you're in. All of them were ghetto. Quatama Crossing as a whole is a pile of complete shit and to this day is also the ghetto. 
So he gets his apartment for like six months or maybe a year maximum. Parties too much in it. Gets complaints. Sells weed. Sells drugs out of there. Too much traffic in and out. Eventually gets evicted and heads out after I'd only been there maybe ten times. But in those ten times, you know, I eventually remembered exactly how to get in there. Exactly what floor it was on. Exactly what you know, number his house was or his apartment. And this is a giant complex. I mean, there is hundreds of apartments in this complex, but I found his specific one each time after I got used to going there. No, they all look the same. But the craziest thing about all this is immediately after he moves out, I get a call from another buddy of mine, not the same person at all, completely different guy whose name happens to also be Ryan. Yes, another guy named Ryan, whose last name I'm not going to say because I'm only somewhat friends with him. I only knew him through the marijuana trade. I would either sell him weed or he would sell me weed. It doesn't really matter. But I knew him, and his name was Ryan, and he tells me to meet him at his new apartment in Quatama. So I'm like, dang it, man, why does another person live in Quatama that I have to see frequently because of the weed? And now I got to go back to that shithole, whatever. All right, fine. So I head out and I go to, you know, I go to the apartment complex and he says, hey, I'll come down when you're outside of the area and I'll show you where to go because it's kind of hard to get up there. I'm like, all right. So I call him. He comes down. We start walking up to his apartment and it happens to be in the same general area as Fat Ryan's apartment. So we go up the stairs and it happens to be on the same level as Fat Ryan's old apartment. So we start going towards the center, and it happens to be the exact same apartment as Fat Ryan. So my friend Fat Ryan lived there, moved out, and my other friend Ryan moved in. Neither of them knew each other. Neither of them had any idea the other existed. Both of them sold weed... Both of them partied, both of them were named Ryan, and were basically the same age. Only this guy, he was really skinny, he wasn't like Fat Ryan. He was really skinny Ryan. But either way, it was the craziest coincidence ever. I'm talking there is thousands of apartment complexes in the Portland metro area. There's hundreds of apartments in this specific complex that it could have been. And there's, you know, thousands of people named Ryan and maybe 30 that I knew in my whole lifetime. And out of two of them, who both I frequently sold weed or bought weed from or had something to do with weed and was friends with, they lived in the same apartment one after another immediately without anyone in between. (laughs) I mean, I, I was like sitting there like weirded out. The guy didn't understand how big of a coincidence this was. I was like, dude, you don't get it. Fat Ryan lived here right before you. And he was like, oh yeah, no, that's cool. And I'm like, no, it's not cool. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense how this even happened. This happened to me in a separate instance with two other people in a whole nother complex before where a friend of mine named Brian lived in an apartment where I went to get weed from him multiple times And then he moved out, and immediately my friends Crystal and John Yates 
moved in and it was the same apartment again in a giant complex where just like Kwatama, I had been in either one or two other apartments in the whole complex ever. And it happened to be the same one that two people I knew lived in the same exact one, you know, one after another without anyone in between to even like spread out the coincidence. I mean, this stuff is crazy. I don't know how it happens, but when they say keep Portland weird, weird stuff like that happened all the time. And nobody else thought it was weird. They were like, oh, you know, that's funny. I'm like, no, it's not funny, people. This stuff is weird. I could write a book about all the crazy circumstances and ridiculous coincidences that occurred to me in Oregon when I lived in the Portland area. So I left to get some normality in my life. And nothing weird, like crazy like that happens out here. It's just normal average life type stuff. And I will say I miss Fat Ryan. I say it every time I tell a story about him. If you ever hear this somehow, dude, I freaking miss you. I hope you can be off drugs. Come visit me someday. And I thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It was a controversial episode, I must say. I'm going to get a lot of backlash for it, I'm sure. But I have to say what I have to say, and I'm glad you're here to listen to me. And I will talk to you tomorrow.